This week on Shelf Check, we'd like to offer a special tribute to Rachel Kane, a dear friend and supporter of the Arlington Public Library. We'd like to offer our condolences to her friends and family. Rachel passed away this month from cancer. She was an amazing person who brought her talent and passion to everything she did. I'm Loretta, and with me is Melissa. Hi. I met Rachel Kane in 2017. When I first became library service manager, I was uh, really excited to bring some authors, and I wanted to bring one of my favorite authors to the library. And I found out she lived really close to us, cold called her, basically. I went to her website, and she had a form that you could fill out, and I, uh, I filled it out, and she immediately contacted me back. And even better, she said that she was willing to do the appearance for free. And I was so excited because I was like, New York Times bestselling author. She's coming to the library. <laughs> it, we, we just had a really special time that one time. And then later on, she did some teen programs, right, Loretta? Yeah, I wasn't there for them, but um, I did see pictures afterwards. They did a creative writing program where she actually talked to some of our young writers. Um, I believe she coached them through the process of writing. And then we were able to bring her back to us uh, for ArlingCon, which was in 2019. Yeah. Um, So just last year. It's been a long time. And we were just so blessed to see her and her husband, Kat, come and talk to us and talk to the fans. And we were just really blessed to have her. Yeah, she was, um, I actually met her there. I purchased a copy of Ink and Bone, um, which is her, I think it's a great library series that I've always wanted to read. And then she even signed it for me. And I was just I don't know. I was just really happy to have, like, actually met her and everything. Ink and Bone's a really great book. I mean, we like libraries, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do. Especially anything around the Library of Alexandria. Yeah. And, um, and of course, it's set in an alternate universe where um, books are banned. or like, and So you get to smuggle books around, and it's very exciting. My first book I have read was a long time ago, and it was in the Weather Warden series. So when she first started, she was doing adult books. And it was called Ill Wind is the first book. I have heard really good things about the series, and it's on my to-read list. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, she's written a bunch of different series, right? So Ill Wind is the first one I read. But then, of course, I went to her most famous one, The Morganville Vampires, which actually, there was a movie, I think it's available on Amazon, about The Morganville Vampires, and Kat, her husband, Mm -hmm. appears in it. So that's fun. Oh, that's really fun. And then my favorite one, because I actually tend to read science fiction more than I read fantasy, is Honor Among Thieves was one of her newest YA novels. Mm, I've seen that one, yeah. And it's about this girl who pilots in space, and it's just, it's girl empowerment, it's science fiction, it's space piloting, and it's just so great. And then finally, her most recent series, I think, that she started was The Stillhouse Lake. Mm -hmm. And that was a total uh, departure from what she had done before. And it's a murder mystery. It's based off of this woman that goes to a lake after the murder of of some people. It's really, I don't want to spoil it. So (laughs) that's why I'm trying to, I'm like, how do I say this? But I I just, um, I don't read murder mysteries, but I read it because Rachel Kane wrote it. And so I had to tuck myself in at night afterwards because it was so scary, but it was also so good. (laughs) Yeah, I think my favorite book from her was Prince of Shadows, which is a retelling of Romeo and Juliet, but it's from Benvolio's point of view. I just thought it was so fascinating. And the way that she wrote was very kind of like flowery, which perfectly fit the era in the kind of Shakespeare setting. That was there. One other thing that I really liked about the story was that it really gave a voice back to Rose Rosaline, I think. Is that who Romeo's first 
crush was. Yeah, it really gave her voice back to her, and it gave a lot of context for why Romeo and Juliet fell in love so quickly. Because as a high schooler, just reading that, it, the way it's, the story it's problematic, and the story, and yeah, and then the whole just relationship just never really made sense to me. And I really liked that the way she wrote it. It was like, oh, I get it. This makes sense. I like it. So. Yeah. Well, we really will miss her here at the Arlington Public Library. And we wish that all of you out there, if you haven't read Rachel Kane, please pick up her books and, and keep that spirit alive. Yeah. Before we get started on our topic today, I wanted to thank Melissa and Loretta for giving tribute to a wonderful author, local author, Rachel Kane. I had the opportunity to work with her last year, and she is incredible and wonderful and vibrant, and we're really going to miss her. Thank you guys so much. Hello, everyone. Today we'll be discussing books we loved or hated as children. Leslie, I I would wager to say that our lists are going to be completely different. What do you think? I think it's going to have a generational difference. Because I'm old? No, I'm not calling you old. (laughs) That's okay. You can call me old because I am. I'm old. I'm just saying we grew up in different generations. Yes, Yes. generations. Because I'm old. That's (laughs) okay. We're going to go forward. Okay. I'll just go ahead and date myself right now. And I'll tell you that um, one of the things that I loved when I was reading as a kid was Little House in the Prairie books. And the reason why Mm -hmm. I loved it so much was because the TV show was on at the time. And I really felt connected to those characters as they're portrayed in in the TV show. But of course, the books were completely different. And it was an eye-opener to actually to see the differences as as a young reader why that that's not the characters that you see on screen you know you would expect it to be exactly the same and that was my first introduction to what an adaptation was really about but I absolutely loved Little House in the Prairie books I loved the relationships with the the family. I loved her relationships with the people in the towns that she was in. She's in a lot of different towns in these books. And I loved her relationships with Almanzo Wilder, of course, because, you know, that's the big romance. And I have such a connection to it, so much so that a few years ago, we went to Missouri and I actually got, went to go visit some of her homes uh, that she used to live in. It was really awesome. So did you like the books better than the show? That was also another eye-opener. Uh, that was what taught me that books and TV or movies don't have to be the same mm-hmm. and you can enjoy them the same. Oh, okay. So the movie of uh, the TV show was on for a very long time. And I think that I grew up with it. Yeah. So I was definitely invested. I wear my hair and braids to this day because I loved Aww. her hair and braids and Laura Ingalls Wilder in the TV show. That's something that I really still identify with. Okay. The books themselves, it was a totally different adventure. And I appreciated that separately. Okay. Well, I'll be honest, I've never read The Little House on the Prairie mm-hmm. or watched the show. Okay, so, so generation gap here. Okay. It sounds Continue great. Continue on. <laughs> Well, I'll just say this before we go on to your books. uh, They are on repeat constantly. So if you ever catch one, you think of me when you see it. I will. Okay. Think of Tamara. Think of Tamara. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so let's do books for a mood. I'll give you a book that was my favorite mm-hmm. to read, and then you can give me one of yours. Okay. As a child. So As a child. Okay. I guess the age range for this one will be kindergarten to first grade. Oh, do we have to be that narrow? Because I can't remember that that Okay, far. okay. We can do elementary school. How about just what you remember reading as a child? Okay, okay. So <laughs> my favorite, and it still makes me cry. I think it made me cry the first time. They read it to us at school. Mm-hmm. It's Corduroy by Don Freeman. Mm-hmm. And have you read that one? Okay, so it's about this little teddy bear. He's at a department store and he's missing a button mm-hmm. on his... Um, on his lapel? Yes. Mm-hmm. And this little girl comes by and she wants him, but her mom's like, oh no, he's missing a button. We're not getting that one. Aww. So they leave and he's really sad. And the, the whole book, he spends time looking for a button. And then the little girl comes back and buys him anyway. So, yeah, it's just a really nice book about acceptance. And kind of makes me think of uh, uh, Velveteen Rabbit a little bit. Did you ever read that? I have not read that one. What's that one about? Well, it wasn't one of my favorites as a kid, but I do remember it. Uh, It was about this really loved rabbit uh, uh, toy. If I remember correctly, uh, the child got sick and they had to burn the rabbit toy at the end. And it was just kind of like, you know, this well-loved item having to... Okay, so let's start off with a different topic. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's an emotional (laughs) topic. Books that make you emotional. Books that make you emotional. Corduroy and... Yeah. What was the book about the rabbit? What's it called? Velveteen Rabbit. And Velveteen Rabbit. So if you're looking for some for a tearjerker, go yeah. for those two. I remember when I was a kid, uh, this wasn't on my list of things to talk about, but I was in love with Dr. Seuss books. Okay. I will never forget my favorite was Fox on Socks. <laughs> and I would sit and try to read it as fast as I possibly could to see yeah. if I could actually read those rhymes the and those twister. tongue twisters without messing up. See how fast I could read yeah. it. I could never, even to this day, I can never read them without getting twisted. <laughs> yeah. My favorite was Green Eggs and Ham. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we actually had Green Eggs and Ham at school. Oh. Yeah. They didn't taste that great, but it was like, we read the book and we had Green Eggs and Ham. <laughs> Oh, another thing that I remember as a kid, my goodness, it was just in my head. Um, This is what happens when you get old. You forget things after a while. (laughs) Do you remember the book? There's a monster at the end of this book. It's a Sesame Street book. No. Okay. So in this book, it's got Grover and Grover is telling you, don't turn that page because if you turn the page, (gasps) there's a monster at the end of this book. And of course, what you're going to do turn the page right well he's like why did you do that and so he builds up this little wall on the page and he's like you can't get past this and you have to turn it again and you just you're like how dare you tell me not to uh, turn that page how dare you tell me that i can't get past this and so you would get through this and you would start going okay i can get this page to turn and i'm gonna just do (laughs) okay i've turned that page and there's another one and he's like i can't believe you did that i'm gonna build an even bigger barrier for you did this not give you so much anxiety as you were reading it no No? it gave me empowerment oh okay it gave me empowerment because as you're going through it you're like I can do this. I'm going to get to this end of this book. Doesn't matter what this kid, uh, this guy is telling me. I'm going to get to the end of this book. And we get to the end of the book. And you know what? Who's the monster? Who's the monster? Grover. Oh. It's me! <laughs> and you get all happy. 
I remember that book because I am a theater nerd. So mm-hmm. that basically means that I'm a giant ham. And as I was, <laughs> as you can tell, the way I was telling that book, uh, that story just now, that's exactly how I would read that book. I would just be like, Okay, let's just turn that page now. And I would read it with my dad. I would read it, uh, you know, as by myself and mm-hmm. do it exactly the same way every single time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have a book sort of like that okay. going into first grade and it's kind of like a mini chapter book. Okay. So Junie B. Jones mm-hmm. by Barbara Park. Mm-hmm. All of I loved all of those books. <laughs> I would consume those books in one sitting. Mm. One of the ones I remember clearly is she was kind of wacky and funny and goofy. She used to hide in her grandpa's restroom in his hamper and he'd come in and he'd be shaving and she'd just like wait for the perfect time and pop out and scare him. <laughs> So that one, all of her books are super fun and I really liked them. Did you ever, like, did it surprise you as you were reading it? I was like, no, she's not going to scare her grandpa because I, I feel like I would never scare my grandpa. But then when she would, I was like, oh my God, I kind of want to scare my grandpa. And jump out of a hamper and do all these weird things because she's doing them. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, let me just go back a little bit to generational things and talk a little bit about what one of the other things that I really loved reading as a kid. And it had to do with, I'm not this old, I'll be (laughs) honest with you, because they were my mom's books. Okay, so. Okay, are you calling your mom old? Yes, if I'm (laughs) old, she's old. And we had this actually with this really funny story in in my family that one day I went up to her and I said, Mom, back in your day, did you have button top shoes? (laughs) What are button top shoes? I don't know what button top shoes are. That was back from the uh, turn of the century from the 1800s to the 1900s. Oh. And. She was like, oh, are you saying I'm that old? (laughs) Anyways, uh, it's listeners will understand more than you do. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, she she shared her books with me and I I loved them so much. Like you were talking about sitting and just reading uh, the the Junie B. Jones books cover to cover. I was exactly that same way with her Nancy Drew books. Uh, So, you know, Nancy Drew has had many, many generations of rewrites and so TV shows. And so you see a lot of uh, where they, they actually have different covers and, or different retellings of the story to reach different generations. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. I got the original books, the ones that had the white spines to them. Uh Uh, That was my mom's books. And she gave those to me to read and I devoured them. And I think that maybe that's one of the reasons why we're all so really into those kind of cozy mysteries still to this day. You think it's the emotional attachment? Probably. So that brings me to my next question. Why do we read? And you read for emotional attachment. I really do. Okay. I really do. Because I'm like the Nancy Drew. And for that matter, Bobsy Twins was another series of books that she she let me read. Those were, I was attached to her Mm -hmm. while I was reading those. Um, When I was a kid visiting my grandparents, my grandfather had this huge bookshelf of books. And for some reason, I was just really drawn to this one particular book called Comstock Load by Louis L'Amour. And I have read that cover to cover so much that the cover came off and he let me have the book 
And I had to get another one just to replace that because I loved that book so much. It's definitely an emotional attachment Mm -hmm. more so than it was the story itself, I think, Um, maybe. That's interesting. Yeah. It's actually the first time I've heard that before, but I love it. You still have it, the book? I do. I don't read it anymore, though, which is kind of a sad thing. Have you ever bought a book? This is off topic a little bit, but have you ever loved something so much you bought it? And yeah. then never touched it again? I think one of mine is, I think it's Mansfield Park mm-hmm. by, is it by Jane Austen. And it has a really beautiful cover, but I don't want to open it because I don't want to crack the spine and yeah. bend it. But it's just really beautiful. So it's just there. It's just And I'm probably never going to read it. Pristinely. Yeah. Yeah. So I do. Yeah. Just that one. What about you? Um, well, Comstock would, um, a lot of movies like that for me, you know, so I would buy the DVDs after checking them out from the library so much, I'd be like, I gotta get this myself and I buy it and then mm. I never watch it again. So <laughs> it's like when you you know that it's there, it's not quite as as exciting to, yeah. to crack open again. So Okay. Well what about you? You've been asking me a lot. Um what it, what are your emotional or do emotional you have emotional attachment. tra- attachments to I don't think so. I think from the beginning I loved reading because of the escapism mm-hmm. it provided. Mm-hmm. Um Junie B. Jones, I just base out read Junie B. Jones. Esperanza Rising, have you ever read that one? Mm-hmm. It's by Pam Munoz Ryan. I know it's extremely, extremely well recommended for sure. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I really like true crime mm-hmm. and anything that's scary, mm-hmm. as long as it has like a real effect to it. For some reason, I don't know, this started off early on. Um, Esperanza Rising isn't scary, but it's a riches to rags story. And she goes through a lot in that book. And mm-hmm. for some reason, I like those books. And I also like dystopian books. And that started off oh, yeah. when I was reading as a child. Like Which one's your favorite? The Giver. Okay. I was fascinated by the ending. Mm-hmm. Because you don't really know if he makes it out or not, and it kind of leaves it up to you to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, that was the first time I had ever read an ending that didn't tell you whether somebody ended up badly or whether mm-hmm. they found mm-hmm. what they wanted. It was kind of frustrating, but I liked it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you do you like books that are kind of frustrating? I do. Yeah. Kind of like, why is this happening this way? I I give up on books that get frustrating. Yeah. So that brings me to my next question. Uh-huh. Um, what books did you hate? What books did I hate? Uh-huh. And um, why? It's a great question. I actually don't know if I have a very big reaction to hating books, especially that part of my life. Older, it's books that you were assigned to read in school. Mm-hmm. I hated Scarlet Letter. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was just tedious to read. And then I had to read it in high school. And then I had to read it in college. And both times, I just, I hated it so much. How about you? The Crucible by Arthur Miller. I liked that book. What? Why did you? I think it was the way it was presented in school. Mm-hmm. You have to go through all of the themes and I don't know. It's just too much. I just wanted to read it for what it was. Also, the witch hunts. <laughs> Something about that I just didn't like. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. That That's one of those frustrating things yeah. that you're supposed to work your way through. But not in a good way for oh, some reason okay. for this one. I can't. I don't well, know why. I'll be honest with you. When I was in school, I would read the books, the assignments that we were supposed to read. But I never actually liked doing the schoolwork that was attached to yeah. it. And it would frustrate my teachers and my parents to no end they'd be like you read this book like 
a just, month ago. Just do it. Why don't you do any of this homework attached to it? Well, because you don't want to think too hard no. on things. You know, it's like, why, why? But anyways, I am not telling this to future students. Please do not do what I do. <laughs> do your work. Do your work. <laughs> Another one that's really popular that they kind of had a love-hate relationship oh, yeah. with, if you give a mouse a cookie, oh, really? by Laura Joffe Numeroff. Mm-hmm. So they would read this book to us at school mm-hmm. constantly. Mm-hmm. I don't know why in elementary school they just loved this book. There's nothing. Please don't. <laughs> don't not read this book. Read it. But it was just frustrating because this mouse just always wanted more. <laughs> You'd give him a glass of milk. He'd be like, okay, now I need a napkin or now I need to sweep this up and it was like when does this end please stop so yeah a part of me while they were reading this would just really irritate me yeah but it was fun at the same time okay I can see that I can see that so did they read the give a mouse a cookie that one book mm-hmm. constantly they or did. the whole series no it was that one book first grade kindergarten second grade up to fourth grade <laughs> we'd go to the library and the librarian just Loved this book. <laughs> it's like, I know it's going to happen. This mouse wants everything. Oh, my gosh. Well, I want to I kind of revisit really quick the idea of my emotional attachment to reading. Mm-hmm. I never thought of myself as an emotional person, but I guess I am because yeah. another one that I really loved was Aligning the Witch in the Wardrobe, not because I sat down and read it, but because I had an experience with it. I went to day camp as one summer and part of one of our things that we did was that we would all go and sit in a room and the camp counselors would read us part of the book. And then we, at the end of the camp, we watched a movie that was based on it. I think that as I've gotten older, Mm -hmm. my emotional attachment to books has gotten less and less and less and less and less. And I think having a lot of school assignments and having to read for for reasons that were not emotional reasons Mm -hmm. has kind of taken me away from my love of reading that I don't love it as much as I used to. And I, gosh, that's such a really heavy revelation for a podcast about reading. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It's okay. No. (laughs) Would you revisit any of those books that you loved so much? I I think you should. I think I should. You're absolutely right. Have you ever had a book that you didn't like, but then you read it again and you like it well that's a great question because you know what that that kind of may take us into the dewey dive a little bit can we can we go ahead and go into that so as as listeners know our dewey dive talks about our nonfiction collection a bit and i remember when i was in junior high i was still in that love of reading that love of reading that we were uh that i was still in the thrall of reading and i would go into the library just daily and i'd be like oh what's those books there and what's those and i you know just experience the, the, the whole library. One of the hardest things for me to read are classic novels because <gasps> I really struggle with the flowery language that comes from I think those are my it. favorite. What? So there you go. One of the things that really, really, really brought me into those stories was this big old tub of graphic novels at the junior high library. So I would go to the junior high library and I'd pull out Dracula or I'd pull out A Tale of Two Cities or I'd pull out all these different classic novels that were retold in graphic forms and I was able to fall in love with the stories. So that brings me to the Dewey Dive because 
we do have graphic novels in the library system. And yes, we have the superhero graphic novels. Those are super fun. Uh, we have a lot of original work that is in graphic novels. But we also have the classic graphic novels in the library, classic books being retold in graphic novel mm -hmm. form. And I would recommend coming and taking a look yeah. at our collection and you would find it in 741.5. So you think you're telling a, a literature story, you're telling a, a story that is that actually has a story. Why is this in mm -hmm. our nonfiction collection? Well, it's because it is an art form. Mm -hmm. And so so we're going to, you're going to be introduced to the artistry yeah. of the graphic novel. So that's the reason why we keep those in a nonfiction collection. And you just educated me on that because I did not know that. Oh, really? Yeah. I was never really introduced to graphic novels. Mm -hmm. I guess I never really had an interest in them either, but you just described them in a really beautiful way and I want oh, to see. Now you want to go go look yeah. and see if you can find Dracula? Not Dracula, maybe, oh, but like, okay. I know Jane Austen has graphic yes. novels, yes. so I'd want to see what how they depict that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that you love Jane Austen. I love Jane Austen. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like your favorite author, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I actually didn't like Jane Austen to start with, but. So you, that was your rediscovery. It was. What what led you to it? I took a class in college, but prior to that, we had been forced to read like Pride and Prejudice in school, and it just wasn't fun. Mm -hmm. But in college, it was different. Maybe it was because I was older too. But I like it now. Yay! I like all the characters. It's very romantic and flowery, yeah. like you said. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I will say that I do like Jane Austen books. I've read a couple of hers. I do like. That's a totally different podcast. We're not going to get into that right now. But there are some classic novels that I can read that I do enjoy. Charles Dickens is not one of those authors, but <laughs> I do love the movies that come from them <laughs> and so the graphic you, novels. You like the graphic novels better? I do because it cuts out a lot of the extra stuff. I'll be honest with you, and this is about Charles Dickens, and this is something I discovered doing my book club a couple years ago, and we read A Tale of Two Cities, okay. which is where I discovered that book through graphic novel form first. I discovered that he was actually paid per word. What? How much? I don't know how much, but it was serialized form. And so every every week or every month or however, whatever that distribution was, he would have to come up with some part of the story and he was paid by word. So all of those words, those flowery words, those repetitive words, those <laughs> extra words yeah. were because he was getting money he for it. Money. He wanted more <laughs> money. And it is excruciating for the reader in today's world. That's okay. my opinion on it. He had to fluff it up. He had to fluff it up. So that is something I learned <laughs> just a couple of years ago. <laughs> wow. We're, we're going all over the place on we this, aren't are. we? <laughs> okay. Well, what about you? Do you have anything that you wanted to to add to what you didn't like or what your experience was like reading as a kid? Escapism. Escapism. That's the one word I can give to me reading as a child. And still today, mm -hmm. I read for escapism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's why reading for school is a lot less fun because right. I have to do it. Right. I don't get to, I guess I could escape into a textbook, but it's not as fun. Let me ask you when you were discovering reading and it was the escapism and stuff. 
Did you read things that were not appropriate for you at the time? <gasps> Scandalous. Harry Potter, for some reason, was not loved by the librarians in my elementary school. What? So you had to be like, your oh parent had to goodness. sign a waiver for you to read Harry Potter. But everybody <laughs> obviously wanted to read it because it was forbidden and it was like scandalous. Or maybe that was something designed by the librarians. <gasps> Do you think so? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that and Twilight. Mm-hmm. They were like, no, these books are a pad. You have to get your parent to sign off on that. <laughs> well, I remember I would sneak into the living room, not the, the den, but the living room. That was the place that nobody lived in. Mm-hmm. We actually had a bookshelf of books in there. And I would just come in and sneak and read some inappropriate spy novel or I would take my mom's Mm. Shakespeare collection and just read out loud Shakespeare in the other room. I was a brat as a kid. (laughs) I will say that. And I would just think I I was just all that for reading these things that were not appropriate for me. But, you know, look at me now. I work for a library. Yes. So isn't that kind of wonderful? It is. You were meant to be here. I was meant to be here, as my mom always told me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. One final question Mm -hmm. to end our discussion. What common themes are in the books you liked or disliked as a child? That's a great question. I think I had history in there a lot. I didn't read classic novels, but I read novels about historical events. What about you? I really liked dystopian novels. Mm -hmm. Beforehand, I liked Junie B. Jones. Anything that was far-fetched from my personal reality, I think I liked. Yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't real life, so I could escape into that. So uh, what do you like to read now? Same kinds of books? I do. I like true crime books (laughs) just because... They're super interesting and intense, but then when I close the book, it's over. Mm-hmm. I like, I guess, self-help and motivational books now just because. Oh, okay. Okay, I get you. But those two themes are my mm-hmm. favorite. What about mm-hmm. you? Um, I don't read as much on my own as I used to. I do read a lot for book club. Um, mm-hmm. I used to really get into fan fiction. I know that's a weird thing as, an, as the generation that I am. Yeah. So much older than you. Um, no. <laughs> but I do I do like when people will take a source material and, and do something and make it their own and, and create additional stories to go along with the source materials. Okay. So are you familiar with Wattpad, I think? Not as not Wattpad as much. I know that that's something that is extremely important to aspiring authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it gives them a wonderful platform to be able to write and share their works with other people. But that was never one that I really got into. I did read uh, on different fan fiction sites that are on the online fanfiction.net, you know, different things according to whatever fandom I was reading it at the time. So. Okay. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. What about you? Did you ever read fan fiction? No, I was familiar with Wattpad. Um, I know that a really popular book that I won't name was a fan fiction of Twilight. Yes. 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 And it has become incredibly uh, yeah, popular, popular in, in, the, in its own right. Mm-hmm. But we will not name that. No. That is not appropriate for this particular podcast. No. <laughs> and, okay, so a book that I would recommend for children today is Corduroy, just because I love that book. 
What about you? I would recommend diving into the Nancy Drew books. Okay. Get in, get a little of that uh, cozy mystery going on in your life. Yeah. A little cross-generational um, recommendation. I really have enjoyed that because okay. you don't know the things that I've read growing up. I don't really know the things that you read either because that was not something that was part of my life because I don't have kids mm-hmm. to uh, to be familiar with. So uh, thank you for, for sharing yeah, this Yeah, and thank me. you. Check out The Little House on the Prairie. Yes. Watch the show, wear your hair in braids. I will. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. Definitely make sure to check out these cross-generational reads. Thank you for tuning into this edition of Shelf Check. Music is Wonderful Adventures by Julian Bonnerb under license from Firstcom Music, Inc. Production and editing by Aisha Hawkins. And special thanks to library director Norma Zuniga. Take care and keep reading. Oh, 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 oh